The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red western corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Welcome back once again, ladies and gentlemen, to the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwalt. want to thank you all very much again for joining me for this episode as well as the inaugural broadcast last week. Certainly appreciate that. Nice seeing you guys tune in. Um, i got to give some thanks right off the bat. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to uh, have the podcast picked up by quite a number of platforms. In fact, pretty much every major platform out there. Um, everybody from iTunes to Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, um, and of course Anchor, which is where uh, the Treehouse of Liberty is originally hosted and where I do all of my, uh, my construction of the podcast. Um, again, major thanks going out to everybody that has taken the time to listen, everybody that hosts us. Very, very excited about this. Hopefully we'll keep growing as we move forward, and uh, I appreciate you all being along for the ride. So lest you guys think this program is going to be all about bashing Democrats, I want to start things off a little bit differently today. I want to criticize the President of the United States. As this border wall um, argument heats up, I'm left to ask the question why when the president was elected and the wall was one of his main campaign promises, why, when he had majorities in the Senate and the House, did he, to my knowledge, not do anything to appropriate funds or to take any steps towards building the wall? Now, I know a lot of you are going to say, well, he didn't have a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. Okay, fine. He doesn't have a majority in the House at all anymore. You know, and if he would have at least tried to pass the funding for the wall and tried to get that process started, he could have come to the American people and said, hey, look, you know, I tried. All I needed was nine Democrats in the Senate, and I couldn't get them to support it. This is on them. It's their fault. And I think being the sympathetic people that we are, we would have looked at that situation and said, okay, you know, Mr. President, you right off the bat tried to do exactly what you promised to do, and somebody else prevented you from accomplishing that goal. Okay, I don't have any issue with that. But it's like there was no effort made. And now that the Democrats have the majority in the House, now all of a sudden the wall is going to become the number one priority. You know, and we're going to blame them because now they, they control the, the purse springs, purse strings, and they have the majority in the House. So we're going to blame it on them. When we have the opportunity to take a crack, you know, Who's to say that a, a Joe Manchin or somebody like that wouldn't have joined the effort to start building the wall and securing those funds? You know, Manchin's an interesting guy. You know, he, he comes from a swing state that's only five electoral votes. But he's not somebody that anyone can count on, and I respect that about him. He's an independent thinker. And we don't find that very much these days. You know, Manchin could have jumped over, and now all of a sudden you got 52. And maybe he could have pulled some more moderates with him. Maybe now you got 54 or 55. Well, now you got five senators that you can sit down and negotiate with. Hey, I know your district needs this. I need the wall. You know, are you willing to sign on? And I'll give you this. You know, that's the way Washington works. Or it's the way Washington should work. There's not as much negotiation going on anymore. It's more, 
this is what I want to do and this is what you want to do and we're not even going to attempt to cross that divide. But we should have taken a shot. The President of the United States should have taken a shot when he was first elected, you know, and he had the majority in both houses. You know, present his case. You know, demonstrate that if he'd only had those couple of of Democrats in the Senate, then we could have gotten there. That campaign promise would have been knocked out right from the get-go. And like I said, instead, we wait until Democrats have the majority in the House. And the House, again, you know, controlling the purse purse strings for the federal government. And now we're going to blame them because we can't get the money for the wall. I mean, I don't, I don't think it really works that way. You know, I respect the fact that he's trying to do it now and that he is trying to secure those funds and that he is making that concerted effort to make the wall happen. But it could have happened a long time ago. And that's frustrating. Now, in the president's defense, I will say that, you know, if you're a black American, Asian American, Hispanic American, a woman a person of differing abilities, you're experiencing the lowest unemployment for your group in the history of the country, ever. We have more people employed than we've had employed, ever. You know, and for the rest of us, the the people that aren't in those groups, we're experiencing the lowest unemployment since 1969. Since Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. So it's not to say that the president's been sitting around doing nothing. He certainly has kept a lot of his campaign promises. He has massively strengthened the economy. He has brought manufacturing jobs back. He has increased spending power for middle-class America. He has given 87% of Americans a tax cut. He has made sure that Vladimir Putin isn't stealing parts of sovereign countries anymore with no response from the United States. He has made sure that Kim is not lobbing missiles over our allies. So there's been a lot that's been accomplished in a very short two years of this president's term. But when you run on the wall, you need to build the wall. I mean, it really is that simple. Take the shot. You're taking it now. Why didn't you take it when you had the majorities? The other thing that's frustrating me right now, and this is a member of the Republican administration, of Trump's administration, is Roger Stone. What is the deal with this guy? You know, I mean, he makes, his flamboyancy makes Ric Flair look like, you know, the most calm, most normal guy to ever walk the face of the earth. You know, I don't know what planet he thinks he lives on, but it certainly isn't this one. You know, for somebody who's in the midst of a federal prosecution to be running his mouth the way he does, and for posting a picture of the judge that will be trying his case on his Instagram page. I guess you have an Instagram page. I don't know. I'm not that tech savvy. I don't use Instagram, but whatever. Posting it on Instagram with what looks like a bullseye or crosshairs next to her head. What in the world are you thinking, dude? What are you thinking? Now, he said, oh, it's a a Celtic cross or or some such BS. You know, and I know there's a a Celtic cross that looks a little bit like crosshairs if you really use your freaking imagination. 
But I don't think that's the point he was trying to drive home. I also don't think it was a threat on a federal judge either. And obviously neither do federal authorities or he would be sitting in a cell right now. But my goodness, you know, have a little bit of respect for the court and have a little bit of concern for your own freedom. And that just makes no sense to me at all. If you're in the middle of a case like that, I understand. You feel like you haven't lied. You feel like you haven't done anything wrong. You want to get your message out there. And I've been in that situation before. Not exactly the same, but I've been in a situation where I have been sued. And I knew the truth. And my attorneys advised me not to put it out there until everything was over. It's damn frustrating. You know, you see your name in the newspaper, you know, and here's what's being said about you, and you can't respond. I get it. It's one of the most frustrating things a human being can experience, believe me. But at the same time, you have to have the good damn sense not to post the kinds of things that he posts and not to give the kinds of interviews that he gives. You know, ultimately, the truth will come out. And he'll either be vindicated or he'll be sentenced. Those are the options. And frankly, I don't know which one's going to happen. But by darn, you got to lay low a little bit. Calm down. Stay out of the spotlight. You're certainly not garnering the sympathy of the American people when you're posting a picture of a federal judge with crosshairs next to her head. That's not how that works. Now, I will say Stone's arrest was one of the most appalling things I have ever seen in my life. Here's a guy charged with a process crime. Perjury is a process crime. It's not what I like to call an actual crime. It is. But he didn't go rob a bank. You know, he wasn't even driving drunk. He allegedly gave misinformation when he was being interviewed by the FBI. Serious offense. I will grant that. You've got to tell the truth to any law enforcement officer or any agent, regardless of what the situation is. Unless it would incriminate you. And then, you know what? Hey, I'm asserting my Fifth Amendment right. I'm not going to answer the question. That's fine, too. But what's not fine is when a guy is charged with a process crime. In this case, the crime of perjury. To show up at his house with 19, 19 law enforcement vehicles, 27 law enforcement officers and agents, to come to the man's door, basically kick it in, put guns in his face, put guns in the face of his wife who was asleep when this was happening, or when it started anyway, I'm sure she didn't sleep for long after that. You know, and go in there like you're arresting El Chapo. It's not who Roger Stone is. The guy's, what, 70 years old? He doesn't have a passport. He's not a flight risk. You know, I don't know if they knew at the time, but he doesn't own any guns. There's absolutely no reason to go into his house the way the FBI and other law enforcement agencies did. And I understand that, too. I'm sure he's frustrated about that. 
that he's been treated like the low-life piece of crap, you know, or, or the head of a drug cartel, for allegedly the crime of perjury, making a false statement. You know, if that's how we're going to run things in this country now, we're basically going to, you know, take a military approach and kick people's doors in and charge in with automatic weapons for perjury? What are we going to do for murder? What are we going to do for that guy that does rob a bank? You know, are we going to knock his front door in with a tank? And the other thing that really bothers me about this is that CNN had their cameras set up when the FBI got there. They were already there. They were already in position. They already knew that this arrest was going to take place and how it was going to happen and that it was going to be a made-for-television event. Who leaked that? Who leaked that? Who jeopardized those officers' safety? You know, it was just like when Desert Storm kicked off. CNN sitting there waiting for our troops to arrive with their cameras out, showing their position to the Iraqis. And there's CNN doing the same damn thing, jeopardizing the safety of our law enforcement agents. Now, like I said, Stone didn't have any guns. He's an old man. He's not really much of a threat to anybody. But every situation isn't like that. There are situations where if you're sitting there waiting with cameras and people figure out what's happening, they're going to start mowing down our law enforcement officials. Of course, I don't expect CNN to care about that either. They generally don't. But, again, President Trump, you needed to get on the ball when you first got into the White House. You needed to make the move to get the wall then. We at least would have been close to getting it passed. And instead, we got nothing. And Roger Stone, dude, you got to chill. Because it's going to end very badly for you if you don't. As with anything new, it's been a lot of fun to count the first in the Treehouse of Liberty. And today we have another one. Uh, it's our first piece of guest commentary, and it comes to us from Clay Moorer of Macon, Georgia. Clay says, okay, here we go. The biggest thing I have against liberals is their wacky way of thinking. For instance, if a conservative doesn't care about guns, they just don't buy one. Whereas if a liberal doesn't care about guns, they feel everyone should be banned from having one. You always hear the liberals talk about the plight of the illegals and the poor way they live, yet you never hear them express concern about the homeless citizens, homeless vets, and homeless children that are U.S. citizens. Shouldn't they worry about their own countrymen first? Finally, the liberals are so concerned that President Trump might be playing fast and loose with the law, and yet they openly flaunt federal law by establishing sanctuary cities for illegal criminals to take refuge in. Yes, as I often say and will continue to say until they come to their senses, people with the mental disorder of liberalism are loons. I think Clay raises a couple of really good points. Um, I think for the most part, it is conservatives that tend to be more libertarian. Um, I think we are more the live and let live type, whereas uh, liberals tend to kind of want to legislate everything. Um, I think the major exception I would point out to that would be abortion. Um, for the most part, it is conservatives that oppose abortion. And we don't just say, you know, um, 
we don't want an abortion, so we're not going to get one. We say, you know, we don't want an abortion, so we don't think anybody should be allowed to. Um, you know, personally, I've kind of come to the position that Roe v. Wade is the law of the land, and I've accepted that. Um, you know, I don't agree with some of the ways that it's been pushed to, you know, even the point of infanticide um, in Virginia as far as what they're considering. Um, but for the most part, Clay Clay does make a lot of really good points, I think. Um, you know, how, how can you really be concerned about the law and concerned about the Constitution if you're willing to establish sanctuary cities, you know, directly in violation of the Constitution? Um, I think that's an excellent point. I also do agree with him that, you know, if you're an American, why not prioritize taking care of Americans? You know, I, I'm all for helping anybody that we possibly can, but let's make sure that our own are taken care of first. Um, you know, I use the example all the time, you know, if you have a gallon of milk and your neighbor doesn't, you know, and your neighbor comes over wanting some of that gallon of milk, you may share it with them, but you're not going to share it with them until you make sure your own kids have enough milk for their cereal, you know, and if they do, then by all means, you're going to help your neighbor. You know, that's, that's kind of what we do in this country. I mean, we do help people out, but by darn, I think we have to make sure that we take care of our, our own first. Um, as far as liberals being loons, you know, I, I could kind of see his point in some cases. There are some things that that liberals do that just kind of make me shake my head. Um, you know, I mean, there are a party right now that basically is espousing the virtues of socialism, um, which I can't say I really understand. Um, every time that socialism has been tried in this on this planet, it's been a complete failure. You know, probably the the most notable example of which was the Soviet Union. You know, the Soviet Union was supposed to be the ultimate. It was supposed to be the pariah of socialism. It was going to be the example of, of how socialism could work. And it collapsed on itself in five generations. You know, I mean, you look at Cuba, you look at Venezuela, you look at these countries that are trying socialism now, and what's happening? They're falling apart. You know, they're absolutely falling apart. So is it loony to have a significant portion, um, you know, of your party that, that kind of espouses something that's never worked before? Yeah, I kind of think it is. Um, you know, are there, there are plenty of conservative examples where we've done things that are loony too? Yeah, there probably are. You know, and I, I think we all tend to not as acknowledge the things that we do that are a little bit goofy while we're able to point out, you know, the, the mistakes and the quote-unquote lunacy of the other side. You know, and I, I'm certainly guilty of that at times. But um, excellent points, Clay. Really appreciate your contribution. And, uh, you know, hopefully to your, your very first point, you know, hopefully we can maintain that Second Amendment that's so important to us. You know, they're getting abortions. I think we should be able to keep our guns. You know, ours is enshrined in the Constitution. Theirs isn't. So uh, that's where we stand on that. Clay, thank you so much again. Really appreciate your contribution. I guess I can't very well bring this episode to an end without uh, weighing in on the Jussie Smollett case. What an absolute nightmare this has been. I think most of us knew from the get-go um, that people aren't going to put on a red hat to go mug somebody. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hide in this alley with a bright red hat on and just hope there happens to be some black guy walking by in the middle of the polar vortex when the temperature is minus 4 
and wind chills are between minus 20 and minus 30, and it's literally colder than Antarctica is right now. I'm going to hide here in the alley with my little red hat on and hope nobody thinks that's suspicious. And by the same token, let's go for a walk, you know, even if it's four or five blocks, for a Subway sandwich in the middle of a polar vortex. Right. Okay. And then we keep going. You know, he allegedly had bleach thrown in his face or whatever. Does bleach not irritate your eyes? Because his eyes look just fine in the picture that I saw. And on top of that, a black man in the United States of America in 2019 is going to wear a noose around his neck after taking himself to the hospital after being jumped by two guys. Right. He walks in. He's still got the noose on. He goes into the waiting room. He's still got the, the noose on. Hey, aren't you Jesse Smollett? Yeah, dude, I sure am. Hey, what's that around your neck? Oh, it's just a noose that I wear everywhere I go. Get the hell out of here. You know, and then he's still got the thing on 45 minutes later when the police are interviewing him? Are you kidding me? You know, you put a noose around a black man's neck, I guarantee you he's going to do two things. He's going to take it off, and he's going to commence to stomp in a mud hole in your face. As well he should. You know, this guy was full of crap from the beginning. Absolutely full of crap from the beginning. And I'll tell you what, I was so incredibly impressed with the police commissioner, Eddie Johnson. I mean, he just wore dude out. He was absolutely incensed that a black man would put a noose around his neck in order to fake a hate crime. He was absolutely incensed. He tore that kid up one side and down the other, and he deserved every last bit of it. I was so extremely impressed with that. And now I guess, you know, he's going to allege that he's a drug addict and he's got all these other problems and he's going to make all these other excuses. No, I'm sorry, pal. That's not going to fly. You know, I've had enough of these fake incidents. I've had quite enough. It's not just this one. It was the, the black church burning, I believe it was in Alabama, that they had painted, you know, Trump slogans and Trump's name all over the place before they burned the church down. Turns out it was a black parishioner of that church. You know, I, I'm tired of the Mike Brown cases. Oh, he was shot in the back when he had his hands up. No, no, he wasn't. He had gunshot residue on his hand when the weapon was fired because he was trying to steal the officer's gun. Trayvon Martin, he's just walking along nicely, carrying tea and Skittles. No, he was actually bouncing George Zimmerman's head off the curb trying to kill him using lethal force when lethal force was used on him. There's been a number of media outlets that have come out in the last couple of days with all the fake race-based attacks in, during the Trump administration. And it's ridiculous. Generally, they have somewhere between 20 and 30 of these incidents. You know, so who, which party is using race as a weapon? Huh? Is it Republicans? Are, are we the ones out there faking stuff? Are we out there being the ones? Oh, you know, these two black guys that uh, said Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, she's going to win in 2020, Kamala Harris, jump me and beat the crap out of me? Are we doing that? Who are the ones making up all of the false stories? 
It's not Republicans. It's not Trump supporters. And it's not white people. Let's be honest about this. And if the truth hurts, by damn, get out there and fix it. Do something about it. You don't like your side being called out for facts? Change the facts. Because this is ridiculous. And shame on the news network, quote-unquote news networks out there, for how they portray these things. You know, when they thought Jesse had been jumped and beaten by these white guys and they threw racial epithets and they had their MAGA hats on and they put the noose around his neck and they tried to bleach him, man, that's, that's front page everywhere. CNN's running that, you know, 25 out of 30 minutes on their freaking ticker. And now all of a sudden it turns out that it didn't happen. Watch how fast this goes away. Most of you probably didn't even know that that church burning was conducted by a black member of that church. Because as, as soon as the news outlets found out it was, they pushed it out of the headlines. They didn't care anymore. We can't get whitey. We can't make Trump, you know, Trump supporters look bad. So it's not a story anymore. The hell it's not. The story is this stuff being faked. The story is the racial attacks that are taking place against white America falsely to make us look bad, to make us feel bad, to make us look like the enemy. We're not. The people doing these things are the enemy. Jesse Smollett's the enemy. The people that burned down Ferguson, Missouri for absolutely no stinking reason are the enemy. The news outlets that get them into this frenzy thinking that lies are the truth, they're the enemy. Not me. Not my friends. Not the people that vote like I do. It's ridiculous. And we got to start calling out the people that are actually wrong. Don't give me this bull crap about, well, you know, Jossie Smollett faked this, but, you know, it still happens a lot every day. Does it? Maybe it does. But show me. Prove it to me. Because I can show you the list of everybody's faking stuff to make me look like a racist. There's our enemy. There's our problem. Man, this stuff gets me worked up. But once again, I want to thank you guys very much for joining me for this broadcast of the Treehouse of Liberty. Hope you'll tune in next week. Hopefully there won't be uh, so many things that aggravate me quite so much next week. But... um Really appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Whether it's morning, noon, or night, I hope you're having a good one. Take care. Thank you.